Greetings Maniacs, and welcome to another edition of the Wrestlemania podcast, episode 2. This is a podcast that looks back at all WWE Wrestlemania's encompassing all great eras of the WWF and later WWE. I'm your host John Stoddart and welcome to another stop in my journey to immortality. In this episode we're going to look at the second instalment of Wrestlemania, which is Wrestlemania 2. In the meantime, quick update on the podcast. It's been a while since I put out the debut episode. Uh, just due to delays in the background, I had to get a new laptop because I was using my work laptop the last time and using the microphone off that, which is why I must apologise for any dips in the sound quality. But pretty much I was getting some funny looks as to why I was using my work laptop and disappearing into a room for an hour at a time. The work basically think I'm working for other jobs. So I have a new laptop and I have a new microphone. Yep, fantastic Blue Yeti microphone. So hopefully the sound quality is now going to drastically improve as we put out more episodes. So I'm coming to you live, well not live because you'll listen to a recording, but I'm coming to you from The Dungeon. Yep, and if you listen to our daily episode, The Dungeon is a little room in the office where I work because I bigger version of a cupboard basically and it's named the dungeon because I've got a trapped in a little room. Unfortunately, well actually not unfortunately, luckily there's no stew heart here. So moving straight on, we are going to get straight into the episodes. Uh, we have a mailbag section for the first time in the podcast. We have comments from the internet wrestling community. Yep, we will be doing that at the end after we've looked at WrestleMania 2, purely because the comments are relating to WrestleMania and we don't want to give any spoilers away. So, let's get into it. WrestleMania 2, the same installment, is going to be an interesting one because, you do not know, WrestleMania 2 actually comes from three venues. And to get more into it, let's, let's kind of go over the history kind of look the reasoning behind it. So in 86, when Vince decided to put together his plans to promote WrestleMania 2, his goal was going to be to make it bigger than WrestleMania 1. And his idea was basically to reach out further into mainstream and get more celebrities involved. The plan was, the more faces he could get in here, the bigger it would make. So, this wasn't enough to this really. His idea was to take an item that Jim Crockett did by took Starcade in 1985 and posted it in two cities. So Vince, being <laughs> the big dog that he is, has got to one-up him. So he's got to go with three WrestleManias in three cities. So he decides to go for the East Coast market, West Coast market and somewhere in between. So the East Coast he selects New York, which is obviously the main territory that WWF at the time obviously brand shows. Going in the mid-market, we'll go with Chicago, because Chicago, as we've come to realise, well, not come to realise, as we've come to know, is quite a rowdy wrestling city. And East Coast, well, there's only one option, really, is it? If you're going to New York, Chicago, to big US cities, you've got to go LA. So the arena's picked for WrestleMania 3 is the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, the Rosemont Horizon, which is now known as the Allstate Arena, I believe, in Chicago, and the LA Sports Arena, which would later host WrestleMania 7. Attendance overall for WrestleMania was 40,085. Overall, yeah, it sounds like a great attendance, but let's break it down. New York had 16,585. 
which pretty much was almost a sellout. LA had 14,500, which was not quite a sellout, but it was close, whereas Chicago had 9,000. Now, to put that in perspective, the Rosemont Horizon holds about 18,000, so half the arena was empty. So Chicago wasn't the big wrestling city that was in terms of drawing for WWF. So obviously in Chicago, there was still work to be done. But with an average of around 13,000 you know, per venue, it's yeah, it's okay. Consider a lot of arenas that WWF would run out of through WrestleMania and then later WWE, when they still did arenas, was probably around about 15,000. So it's not quite far off the indoor averages, you know. Building on from WrestleMania 1, they want to bring in more celebrities, so we've got to kind of space out. So you've got to like, so Vince is going to take New York. We've not got the commentary team, so we're going to have to even get celebrities involved with commentating. And we, we, will, we will discuss it later on, you know, we'll kind of look at it. Is this going to be a bit much? Because from the off, Vince's idea is get more celebrities involved in here. The reason I'm bringing this up now is because if you remember from WrestleMania 1, we gave it a good solid 7 out of 10 in the 10 count. And the reason being was because it was a good wrestling show. You know, we, we pretty much sat there and watched wrestling. And the reason I'm bringing the celebrity thing up for will become clearer as we go on. So let's look at the stories going into this WrestleMania. So the main feud, obviously, has got to involve the champion. Hulk Hogan, who's the WWF champion, will take on King Kong Bundy. Now, even though the two guys had wrestled occasionally beforehand, their first ever match wasn't until Saturday night's main event in November. And it was a tag match uh, where Hogan teamed up with Andre the Giant against Bundy and John Studd. That match actually kind of pops up in next WrestleMania to kind of help with the next main event storyline. But we'll get into that more in the next episode. On March the 1st, Hogan was actually defending his title against the Magnificent Miracle. And just as about he was to make the pinfall to win the match, Bundy ran in and with Miracle's help assaulted Hogan, basically crushing him with his body weight with a move he calls the avalanche in a bid to break his ribs. Hogan... Kayfabe had a very serious injury while Bundy gloated over his actions and then challenged Hogan for the title. With revenge on his mind, Hogan decided not to take the doctor's advice who basically, the way they kind of put it over is that Hogan isn't cleared to fight here tonight. But he accepts the challenge and then the match gets booked into a steel cage. So that's the main feud going in here and that will actually become the main event of the Los Angeles section of WrestleMania 2. The second feud at will be the New York main event, and that sees Mr. T and Rowdy Roddy Piper reigniting their feud from the previous year. As we know, Piper came in round about 84 and kind of quickly established himself as the top heel in the company. With a year later, he kind of sided up with Orndorff and Orton, you know, and that's not to go over old ground here again, set up kind of the heel side of the first ever WrestleMania. Now Hogan obviously was friends with Mr. T and kind of brought in, we know what happened, yeah, 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 yeah. Moving on, what happened next was their dislike of each other, which was real life, kind of built on. And this was, this is purely down to being the whole, 
you're an actor, we're wrestlers, you can't do what we do. So in response to this, Mr. T actually became a special WWE boxer and started competing in boxing matches. At Saturday night's main event, at the start of March, same event where Hogan had his ribs injured, Mr. T defeated Cowboy Bob Orton in a boxing match. Now after that match, Piper came out and distracted Mr. T, allowing Orton to attack him, and they basically roughed him up, beat him up. Mr. T demanding revenge, and being a special WWF boxer, challenged them to a boxing match. So our main event in the New York sector is a boxing match between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. T, which should be quite interesting because Piper was actually an amateur boxer himself and Mr. T played a boxer in movies. The third feud going into WrestleMania, which we'll see in the Chicago main event, is for the WWF Tag Championships. And that is the Dream Team versus the British Bulldogs. Just to fill the tag picture here, in WrestleMania 1, the US Express lost the titles to Volkov and Sheik. They won the titles back and then lost them to the Dream Team in August 85. Immediately after this title win, the British Bulldogs set up a challenge for the titles, which they lost at house show after being disqualified. Then Saturday night's main event, they challenged the Dream Team again, where they lost once again. With the Bulldogs failing twice and going for another challenge, the Dream Team said, right, this is it. Rubber match, even though it's not a rubber match, it's not your standard three match feud where one you get what a kind of one apiece and then it's the third match. Whoever wins this match wins the feud. The dream team just kind of fed up and pretty much said, This is it, last chance, so long for you guys. So that will be the main event for the Chicago element of WrestleMania 2. Well, we're actually on the topic of matches that are going to happen here tonight. Let's let's just have a look at the card. Normally, I would kind of come to the card last before we get in it, but let's just, while we're talking about matches, let's just get in it right here. So, in the New York elements, we will see Paul Ondorf and the Magnificent Miracle open us up here at WrestleMania. Then the Intercontinental titles on the line where Macho Man Randy Savage making his debut takes on George Animal Steel. But actually, there's going to be a lot of debuts here tonight, so let's just not even refer to that. Next up is Jake the Snake Roberts taking on George Wells, and then we'll have the main event as we discussed, the boxing match, Mr. T versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. In Chicago, the Women's Championships on the line, the Fabulous Muller defends against Velvet McIntyre. Corporal Kitchener takes on Nikolai Volkov in a flag match. Then we have the WWF vs NFL 20 man battle royale. Now it says WWF vs NFL. Really, there's six American footballs here. You know, so it's not them vs us. There's six guys in it. And then finally, we have the WWF Tag Team Championships in the line, the Dream Team versus the British Bulldogs. Moving on, lastly, to Los Angeles, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat takes on Hercules Hernandez. Adrian Adonis takes on Uncle Elmer. Then we have the Funk Brothers, Terry and Horse Funk, taking on Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana before we round off with the main event in a steel cage. The WWF Championship on the line for the first time here at WrestleMania. King Kong Bundy challenging the immortal Hulk Hogan. So that's the card. And let's kind of get into the kind of makeup and production of WrestleMania. So the tagline of WrestleMania 2 describes it as the premier sporting event of the year. Now that was one of the kind of advertised ones. What the actual tagline they go with is what the world has come to, which is mentioned in our intro package. The setup of the arena, now they've got three obviously here. It's the classic, you know, standard blue ring. There is no ring mats at ringside for either one of the venues. So exposed concrete everywhere. And I think it's actually Chicago doesn't even have our barrier 
And no, there's, in fact, no, it's not even just Chicago. New York doesn't have either. It's just LA that's got barriers. In terms of entrances, it's just the exits. But Chicago has a WrestleMania sign next to it. In terms of the kind of overall arenas, LA's quite dark. New York's dark. And Chicago's kind of more brighter. So, lighting-wise, it's not really great. I think actually Chicago is most kind of maybe touch on actually has some lighting but yeah so that's this make up the arena in terms of the logo it's the classic wrestlemania logo with a kind of neon looking two behind it the dvd that came out the cover is hulk hogan with the title belt on the front of it, an insert of king kong bundy now if you've never seen king kong bundy you know imagine the creator wrestler from like the wwe games bald fat in a black singlet with, you know, no chin, you know, he's not a kind of, he's just a fat bastard in a singlet, really, uh, on the DVD cover, usually we get the card in the back, but in fact, what we get here is an actual description of WrestleMania 2, which I will now read, WrestleMania 2 was a high-tech extravaganza with matches originating from arenas in three separate time zones, an action carried all venues via satellite, which is an important point I forgot neglected to mention. When each sector finishes, they will actually display the the rest of the show, so that it's not like it's these matches and it's over. It's supposed to be some kind of event. Like wow, you may get to watch live here, but here's action from two other arenas. Anyways, continuing here. At New York's Coliseum, Mr. T clashes with Rowdy Roddy Piper in a boxing match. At the Rosemont in Chicago, Andre the Giant confronts 20 men, actually 19 other men, including NFL football star William the Refrigerator Perry and over a top rope battle royal. In the main event, Hulk Hogan clashes with King Kong Bundy in a cage match. Other matches include British Bulldogs in tag team action versus Gregor Hammer Valentine and Brutus Beefcake, plus many more of the superstars of wrestling. Guest appearances by Ray Charles, Susan St. James and Horror Queen Elvira. Ring announcer... Joan Rivers, every match in its entirety. This is the UK DVD cover. You know, it's the classic kind of purple lightning, you know. And that's the DVD cover. Okay, so we have nothing further else to waste our time discussing. Let's do it, folks. I haven't watched this already and I've referred to it kind of loosely on Twitter. I feel <laughs> like. This is now a labour of, I'll be honest here, in terms of the podcast, I didn't expect Wrestlemania to kind of drain me so early on, but ladies and gentlemen, this is Wrestlemania 2. what the world has come to like i need to stop this right here like the way this guy puts it over right is like fuck oh my god 
this is happening because, oh my god, what has everything come to? Fucking hell. Storyline wise, I don't, I just don't get it. This isn't like it's brother versus brother, like fuck, this is came to this. Jesus Christ. Which some WrestleMania is further down the line. It's absolute spawn. You could say that, but here it's like, oh, what the world has come to. I just don't get what they're going with. I wish they did go with the premier sporting event of the year. I wish they just stuck with that tagline, but they've not. It's a quite odd intro package, you know, it's kind of his talk show as we're introduced to Vince McMahon who welcomes us to Wrestlemania and that famous soundbite. He introduces to us to our co-host Susan St. Jane. She sounds like a porn star, but she's not. She's actually a star of daytime TV, apparently. Ray Charles is here to sing America the Beautiful. Bit of an improvement on Mean Jean from last year. Sorry, Mean Jean, but this guy can sing better than you. As Ray starts singing, actually, there's a bit of feedback, which, hmm, I hope this isn't going to be a kind of warning of what's going to happen during the course of the show. It's quite a soulful rendition of America the Beautiful, which is America's kind of secondary anthem. But at one point, I actually questioned if he's singing the right words, like he sounds like he's forgot the words. But maybe it's just because he's kind of putting a soul twist on it, because at one point he says, when I was a little boy, we used to sing these words. It does sound like it kind of goes on a bit, and I kind of... Like, come on, hurry up, let's get through it. It's not like, well, actually, do you know what? I'd rather listen to Ray Charles than what I've got to listen to at WrestleMania 14 minutes, the fucking DX band, who are god-awful. I actually think the network have cut this because it's that fucking bad and insulting. But nonetheless, soulful audition here from Ray, who looks weird because he's actually standing on a platform. Anytime I've ever seen Ray Charles, he's buying a piano. It's quite odd watching a blind man stand on a platform, singing the anthem. But we are opening here as Mean Gene introduces himself from Chicago, hyping the Battle Royal, telling us that you can cut the electricity with a knife. We're sent back to New York where Rowdy Roddy Piper is psyching himself up for the boxing match with Mr. T. And I'm going to play the audio of this purely because of what he says at the end. He's a prospect, I think, of the heavyweights out there today. This is the best prospect known. He's trained diligently, he's in real good shape. Have one punch and it's all over. Tonight he's in shape and he's gonna do his job, right, Roddy? <laughs> I'm cute. I'm better. I grew my hair long. That way, during the fight tonight, you can tell the difference between me and T. I figured some of you folks out there may get a little confused. I have got the absolute best coach in the entire world to train me. I've been down with Biggs training, with Spinks training. He went and got smoking Joe Fraser in his corner. Are you ribbing me? He threw a medicine ball at my belly. Didn't move an inch. I'm down to 219 pounds in 30 minutes. You see, talk's cheap. So you say, Roddy, well, you're sitting there talking. I say this to you. I say, if Mr. T can knock me out in this fight right here, I would not only quit professional boxing, I would quit and retire professional wrestling, I would quit tiddlywinks, I would quit dating girls. That I'd stick with you. I would quit it all. I right now say, if he can knock me out, I retire, and I'm going to stick my head out there, wrapped around after round, and put it out there, because as pretty as it is, he's going to shoot some punches. I'm gonna be moving like that, just like Coach Tommy. You gonna shoot some more? I'm gonna be moving like that. And another thing, you know, Mr. T, I know you're a smart aleck, you come out with the kill, but let me tell you something, never will I shave my hair like an Indian and paint myself black. Toohoo! <laughs> right, so I said I was gonna play the audio, right? And it's purely for what he says at the end here. So he says he's never gonna paint himself black. May bother, Roddy. Let's just see what happens come WrestleMania 6, and that's all I'm gonna say on that. 
So the arena here in New York is pretty dark. Can't see the entrance or the else. Just lighting up around the ring. Got the Blacks WrestleMania 2 logo on the skirt. And Christ, I'm like looking at the concrete and no barriers. And I'm like, there's nothing to stop people from running out in the ring here. The Fink introduces us to our opening contest here. Paul Ondorf versus the magnificent Don Maraco, who is accompanied by Mr. Fuji. Ondorf coming out here with a good response from the crowd. I actually feel quite sad for Ondorf. He's gone from the main event at WrestleMania 1 to the opening contest, which he's probably not the last person that will happen to. Ben says, we'll look at some comments around Ondorf. Here's the bell rings and the match gets underway. We hear a voiceover of Maraco calling Ondorf the embarrassment at WrestleMania 1. Whereas Ondorf says hello to everyone out there on TV land. It's both men lock up in the ring. He tells us that he's been working out more than ever, actually. Which is great. You, I couldn't imagine he'd work out the guy. He's built like a Greek Adonis, pretty much. Ondorf is basically Vince McMahon's wet dream. Ondorf goes off the ropes as the match is continuing here in ring. It's straight a scoop slam from Morocco. Ondorf is straight back with a scoop slap of his own. Forces a lock up into the corner. Nini elbow from Morocco working away at the back of Ondorf as he gets whipped into the corner by Morocco and a back body drop. Colour commentator, if you could call her that, well, no, she can't be a colour commentator. Nope. Co commentator Susan St. James goes, Alright, and I'm immediately like, Oh fuck, is this what Vince is going to do with these celebrities? Oh no, we're going to have to listen to some commentating tonight. Taking a pause at this, it's great to hear Vince as a commentator. I grew up as Vince as the voice of the WWE. In ring, drop Toho from Ondorf into an armbar. Susan says Ondorf is definitely winning here. And I'm laughing at Susan going, oh, 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 what's going to happen here? Well, he's going to have to do something, Vince, and it'll be over quickly. Whilst I'm actually laughing because this is just like someone like trying to commentate, I'll have to give her credit, she is trying. Because she is trying. And God loves a driver after all. Morocco tries to reverse, but Ondorf still has the wrist lock locked in. This is the first time where these men have ever met, we're told. Susan reckons that Ondorf is actually using some kind of Chinese torture techniques here. This isn't a fucking Guantanamo Bay, Susan. Jesus Christ, man. This is wrestling. This is sports entertainment. Morocco gets out of the hold, battering Ondorf's head off the turnbuckle, but Ondorf fights back. Both men try to roll over the top rope, but Butch, Ondorf gets caught in the rope. All of a sudden, the bell is rung as both men are fighting outside. Then they're counted out. On first viewing, I actually thought the referee counted pretty quickly, but as I look back at it, it didn't actually. Like, I think it's more like you're kind of lulled into, oh, they're going to fight your ringside, they'll be back in the ring. And then the bell goes, the crowds aren't happy with it, and they're chanting bullshit, which Vince actually says they don't like the outcome here. As Fuji lifts Miracle's arm and they head up the hill, led by coppers. Ordoff poses in ring as we wait in the official announcement. We'll wait on what feels like forever here. This, the Fink doesn't even seem to know what's going on. I mean, clearly they've been counted out. I don't know why the Fink has to wait on the announcement. As we are then led to Mr. T with the Fink shrugging his shoulders. <laughs> Mr. T is here with a midget who we find out is the Haiti kid and smoking Joe Fraser. Wow. Mr. Fee talks so fast as we have come to learn in this podcast but he says his fist will do the talking here he says if Piper does dirty stuff he'll do dirty stuff too fuck steady on Mr T Jesus Christ Fink actually starts talking over with the announcement as Mr T's promo continues 
First of all, let me tell you people out there something. It's not my idea to be talking right before a big fight. I don't like to do a lot of talking. My fist's gonna do the talking in the ring. You know, we can talk all day. I don't know what I might do to Piper, but I know he's gonna be getting hurt out there. I'm gonna be everywhere, elbow, arms, everything. He start doing dirty stuff, I'm gonna start doing some dirty stuff. I want this man too long. Look what he did to my buddy, the Haiti kid. Cut his hair like me, Jeff, of course, my man like me. You know, all the dirty things he Ladies did. Ladies and gentlemen, him and, uh, in the previous back bout, in Phoenix, Arizona. I don't play that Orndorf. stuff, but I'm telling you tonight, we're going to get revenge. What you say, Big Joe? That's right, I'm ready. That's right. We're ready, we're going to do it. That's the end of this interview. Forget all the talking. Get on out there and get him. Christ, this feels like a mess so far. Like, there's been feedback, which how the hell can you get feedback in an arena? And we've got talking over our promo here. Uh, we can just make out the Fink gives the official announcement that it was a double count out for our first match. Mess of the match, the finish, you know, crowd didn't like it, which is kind of a shame because it's kind of turned on and off around here into a face, which the crowd seemed to like, and he didn't even get a proper match, really. Moving on, our second bout sees the Intercontinental title on the line. George the Animal Steel is already in ring to a big response from the crowd. His opponent, led by Miss Elizabeth, is none other than Intercontinental Champion Macho Man Radio Savage. Oh, yes! I love the Macho Man. <laughs> Sorry about that, fucking like, as if it's a side relief. It's not a side relief. I just love the Macho Man. He is one of my favourites. He was one of my favourites growing up, and he comes out to one of the greatest main entrance music ever Land of Hope and Glory. It's so iconic. You hear it, and you just think Macho Man. It doesn't matter if you hear it anywhere else. Anyone who's an SL fan will instantly think of Macho Man, Randy Savage, and smile. Elizabeth herself, she's something else. Like, I don't need to say anything else about Miss Elizabeth. We all know. Macho Man's holding up the Intercontinental title, which has changed from last year's new belt. It's the classic IC title. Macho Man's coming out in his big macho robe as he goes back to cutting a promo on Steel. He says that Steel will call him the greatest in the world as the Macho Man unleashes macho madness on Steel. He's so charismatic, but Susan comments about how Macho Man treats Elizabeth like dirt. So as we're getting ready to kind of the bell ring here, immensely thinking, Christ, how fucking hairy is George the Animal Steel? I mean, the man is like, if you've never seen him, you can Google him, because it'll probably corroborate this, this comparison. Imagine taking like a carpet, wrapping it round a man and painting it black. That's George Steele. That's how hairy he is. It's, it just looks like it's a, it's a rug all the way around him. So the match gets underway with Steele chasing Macho Man around the ring. Crowd. By the way, it should point out they hate Macho Man here. He is the heel going at this one. He's trying to psych Steele out, who just waves his arms literally around the air like... <laughs> chasing him again. Steele is literally just an animal of a man. I mean, I wouldn't want to lock up with him in the ring. Especially as you get into a match because he'll start to sweat... The hair will come quite slippery and quite disgusting. Vince actually comments on it by saying, oh, he's got a lot of fur. Macho Man just keeps running away from him, though. Obviously, he's looking to tire Steel out because Steel's not exactly the most fittest of in-ring competitors. But Steel actually grabs a hold of his leg and starts biting his foot. Susan seems to egg this on by going, all right, George, eat his leg. Promoting cannibalism. Macho starts selling it by limping around the ring, but then runs at Steel with a big kneel. Steel then lifts Macho straight up. I'm referring to him as Macho, by the way. I've just realised this isn't going on. I'm not going to cut this out. I just realised. Um, it's my notes. I refer to the Macho Man as Macho. Basically, my notes. And I've got, uh, like, George down as Steel. So, as I was just saying there, 
Animal Steel lifts Macho Man up with both hands in a double choke and literally launches him across the ring. Big stiff right hand to Macho's chin. Steel then gets caught in the ropes by Macho Man ogling away at Miss Elizabeth as Macho Man beats him. Macho Man goes up top then as Steel gets out of the ropes and hits a very sloppy cross body. Macho Man actually nearly rolls out of the ring. He actually has to come back to cover him and gets a two count. Macho gets tossed to the outside and then crawls under the ring, coming out from behind and kneeing Steel in the back. George then grabs a hold of Macho Man's arm, starts biting him. I mean, surely this isn't allowed. Surely biting isn't allowed in wrestling. Susan actually wonders at this point if Macho Man has had his, his tetanus shots as Macho Man kind of throws off and the referees can admonish him. Macho Man goes to the corner and grabs a bunch of flowers, one of the bunch of flowers that was attempted to give to Miss Elizabeth, walks over and smacks George across the face with it, which actually echoes. Another bouquet of flowers that someone wanted to give to Elizabeth. For the Macho... Ooh! Wow! Right across the face and now the Macho Man! Like, the crowd even go, Ooh! George throws Macho into the corner and stuffs the flowers in his face and then starts to rip and eat the tumbuckle pads. They really put over that George is, is literally an animal. Like, personally, I'm not a fan of this gimmick. I really don't. Especially when you've got the Intercontinental title line. If the two of them are going to fight each other here, that's it's one thing to do this, but to have a title on the line with, like, George trying to stuff it into his mouth, like, what the fuck is going on here? Anyways, Macho's outside again, and I don't blame him, I don't, I wouldn't want to be in the ring here with George. Macho hits an axe handle to steals back from the top rope to the outside. Back in ring, Macho Man scoops, and he goes up top, hits the pie, then Macho Man elbows him, and gets a fucking two count. Vince actually comments, this is the first time he's seen anyone kick him, but Jesus Christ, that's his finisher. In this time, you don't kick out with a finisher. That's it. But happens is Macho's face gets grabbed by Steel, who launches him at the corner. Macho then grabs kind of both legs, takes him down, literally gets into a missionary position, feet up in the corner ropes. One, two, three. Gets the win. It's over. Macho Man retains and hightails it out of there. No fucking wonder, because George Animal Steel gets up and starts eating another turnbuckle cover. The man is a beast, in a bad way. It's not like Brock Lesnar. He's a beast, and a fucking beast of a way. And that man is unstoppable. He's a machine. George is a beast, in not a very good way. Like I said, I, I just don't like his character, and I actually questioned what was going on here. You've got a belt on the line. It's barely a wrestle match. It's a mess. And then you've got George Animal still chasing the referee up the aisle with padding. So far, like the mess he's left in the ring, this WrestleMania feels like it's a bit of a mess. Finn says we're now going to go to Chicago with Mean Gene standing by. He's there hyping the 20-man battle royale with Bill Freelich of the Atlanta Falcons. All right, Vince McMahon, I don't mind telling you, this place is popping. Looking forward to the big 20-man battle royale. Football great from the Atlanta Falcons. Bill Frannick. Bill, just minutes away now. The Titanic Battle Royal, your thoughts. All well, the talk's done, Gene. I'm waiting to get a hold of the stud here or whatever the dud. Yeah, Please reserve these actions. Yeah, for he the has ring. no class. He's a football player. You know, Perry. 
I'm going to get buried right here in your hometown, and I'm going to get you, punk. When I think of football players, you're not playing with a ball, buddy. You're playing with John Stud. I think Please football players, and I smash them. Look what I did to this ball. This ball, that's what I'm going to do to you, punk. There you go. Hey, wait a minute here. Just a second. That's totally uncalled for John Stud, and all due respect, Phil Frannick, I apologize. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you very much. Here comes the match in 5, 10, 20 minutes, whatever, Dud. We'll see what you're made out of. That's right. We're going to find yeah. out what Well, it looks like it's really coming down to and football versus professional wrestling, and we're going to find out. Now back to New York. Okay, fair enough. Bill, you know, credit to you know a football player trying to actually cut a promo here. Stud keeps trying to cut a promo himself, looking away from the camera, but Minjin's not interested. We can actually hear once again, like, sloppy production as they think announces that Macho Man retained the title in the background. But we go back to Vince and Susan sitting up and in some comfy-looking armchairs in the gods of the arena. Vince asks oh, Susan if she likes snakes, like... Oof, fucking hell, Genetic Jackhammer is going to give us a show here, folks. Hopefully he's not going to whip out his trouser snake. Susan even says, I know exactly what you mean. Jake the Snake, of course. Thank God, Susan. Oh, we didn't want this, we didn't want this kind of show. So up next is Jake the Snake versus George Wells. Wells is already in ring, and the crowd aren't bothered by him at all. Jake the Snake comes out from the back with his sack containing Damien in tow. Believe it or not, Jake Snake actually debuted a couple of weeks before WrestleMania. Like literally, there was his first match was on TV about two weeks, so was, there wasn't any time to build up this character. But it just shows you they were willing to put him straight in there. Fast start here as Wells goes straight for Jake Snake, throwing him off ropes, back body drop. Jake's back up, fighting back, and throws Wells to the outside. Jake goes for a baseball slide, but Wells hits him with right hand. It's quite a fast start here. Back in ring with Jake leapfrogging Wells, and I'm like, fucking hell, I've never seen Jake the snake jump before. I can't remember him, to be honest. Like, um, but he gets a shoulder block, and Vince mentions at this point that Wells is a former Canadian footballer. As we all know, folks, Vince McMahon likes bodybuilders and footballers, he doesn't like wrestlers from any other companies, despite the fact he hopes a lot of wrestlers from the other territories. Wells whips Jake across the ring and hits quite a not bad head scissors him. As Jake Snake calls for a timeout. Got a scoop slam and a big chop to the throat. Woohoo! Wells is in controls. He hits a power slam off the ropes for a two count. Wells hits Jake in the eye. Wells chases him out to the ring and back in. Got a knee to the throat by Jake Snake. Who then goes over to check on the bag. Comes back. DDT. One, two, three. Out of nowhere. DDT. Jake immediately grabs the bag and unleashes Damien. Snake is out the bag, folks, is here as this finish came out of nowhere. I did not expect when Jake went over to go to the corner to check on Damien that he was going to just hit him with a DDT and get the win. I thought, right, we're kind of mid-match here, that's your mid-kind-of-match kind of break, almost like rest period. But no, Jake comes back, bang, DDT, it's over. Quick finish, I suppose, but there wasn't really anything in this match. You know, the crowd aren't really bored by Wales, who's supposed to be a face. It was... Pretty much a kind of almost half squash, you know, Wells doing the job on Jake Snake to put him over, considering that he only debuted like two weeks prior to WrestleMania on TV. Can under actually can understand why this match went the way it did. But Jake wraps the snake around Wells here, looking like he's choking with it. The referee's absolutely scared and keeps jumping away from the snake. As Susan tells us that Wells missed a chance to put Jake away, and it cost him. 
which, yeah, she's quite like. As we get a replay of the DDT and finish, where Finn's telling us that Jake Snake is undefeated. Well, of course he's undefeated. It's only his second fucking match. Jeez. Well, on TV. But it's only his second match. Like, Jesus Christ. We get a build-up of the first main event now. ...started their feud. Let's take you now, if we may, to that footage and maybe a little understanding. We'll first begin in Phoenix. Tremendous ovation for the one and only Mr. T. Wait, here comes Piper. Wait a minute. Body coming into the ring. Yes, you can bet he's not pleased at all with this outcome. Not at all. The uh, oh, what? Piper having no love lost for Mr. T. And you can bet the feeling is mutual. And what's what's happening here? I believe I believe T is asking the referee to step out of the ring. McMahon, I've never heard of such nonsense before. Don't tell me there. I think I think Piper has issued a challenge to Mr. T. Piper has no gloves on whatsoever. Bare-knuckled Piper. Yes, Piper wants to show his skills here. And T, I think, is going to fall for it. This is unbelievable, McMahon. What a matchup. What a matchup. Piper and T. From behind, the knee of Orton into the back of Mr. T. That's one way to put him down. We come out of that promo straight into another one with Vince next to a TV saying we're going to go out to L.A., where Jesse the Body Ventura is waiting with the champ. Jesse immediately says he doesn't need McMahon to throw him anything. And he's got um blonde dreadlocks? He's got a beret one? Blonde dreadlocks and he's like his feathered boa. This man hasn't got any sense in fashion, has he? He's no taste. Nonetheless, Here's the champ. Let's hear what he's got to see. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan and Jesse, the body of interior. Let's take you now to Los Angeles. McMahon, you don't have to throw nothing to me. This is Jesse, the body out in Los Angeles with WrestleMania 2. With me, world heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan. Hogan, your ribs are injured. You're facing the biggest, toughest man I believe you've ever faced in your career in King Kong Bundy inside a steel cage man i can't believe you do something like that as champion of the world well you know ventura i don't care what you believe brother you're getting paid to ask the questions whether my ribs are busted up or not i'm gonna defend this world heavyweight title man it's everything i believe in all those little hulksters and it stands for america brother bundy's going down it doesn't matter about the ribs ventura and as far as mr t and rowdy roddy piper I'm going to make a prediction that Mr. T is going to come out on top because he's fighting for what he believes in, too. And Piper, just like a lot of other dudes around here, like you, Ventura, take a lot of shortcuts and go down awful quick. I'll just say this. Good guys don't always finish first. <laughs> you know, off the back of this promo, you know, with Ventura getting the last word in there, I wish we got Ventura versus Hogan at WrestleMania, actually. The two of them, they really they bounce off each other. They promo-wise they work well I would love to have seen this but sadly we we won't be as we go back to ringside with the think for the intro of our first main event here in New York the guest ring announcers is the premier comedian in the world one Joan Rivers she says oh this is wonderful incredible and she will now introduce the judges of the boxing match first up from I was I was about to go pure like Space Jam on this like and go with you know starting our power forward. I don't even know if he's a power forward, but of the New Jersey Nets, it's Daryl Dawkins. He looks like an absolute giant compared to us. She tells him to wave and leave. Next up, we have Mister Cab Calloway. No idea who he is. He's described as the Heidi High Man, 
which I don't think he is the Heidi High man because here in the UK we used to have a program called Heidi High based on holiday camps here. So unless he was on that program, I don't think it's the same guy. And third judge up here tonight is everyone's favourite Watergate judge, G. Gordon Linney, who gets a bit of heat from the crowd. Next up is the timekeeper, who she says she's dying to meet, Herb, who climbs in ring, hugs her, and dances out. Who the fuck is this clown? I've no idea who this guy is, but he's part of a knob, basically. I'm glad we won't fucking see him again. So this is our main event, folks. Ten rounds of boxing. Get loads of feedback coming off the mic here. Susan says it's about time Mr. T had his moment in the sun. Surely that was WrestleMania 1, folks. Vince wonders if this fight will actually go the distance, and let's be honest, at the time you're probably thinking, well, could this go the difference? distance? You've got Mr. T, everyone knows him as Clubber Lang, he can box, apparently, and you've got Roddy Roddy Piper, who was an amateur boxer, so could this actually go the distance? We'll see. Piper comes out, bust here, and his full entourage are decked out in tartan. Rivers announced Jack Louse as his trainer. Piper's got a tartan robe on here. Lou Duva is also accompanying him as Piper's bouncing around the ring with Joan Rivers. Mr. T comes out behind him with Smoking Joan i.e. Kid. Mr. T gets a decent reaction here. He's always gracious, according to Rivers, apparently. The introduction kind of felt like a bit of a mess, like... <sighs> Maybe it's because we're spoiled, you know, for announcers these days. In terms of boxing, you're kind of, kind of contact sports. You know, you've got the buffers. You know, Bruce Buffer. Or, you know, Mighty's brother, Michael. Joan Rivers can announce in a boxing match. I mean, surely they could have got... Instead of going with a celebrity. If you're going to go celebrity, why not get whoever it was? You know, I don't know if it was Bruce Buff at the time. Probably it may have been just before his time or what. But why not get someone who actually announces boxing to come out and do it? You know, if you're going to put this over as a, a proper boxing match, go down that route. You've got the judges, which... None of them are actual boxing judges, which is stupid considering when they have the brawl for all. You've got actual people involved in boxing in the match. So if you're going to try and put this over as a boxing match, get actual boxing people involved here. But it's just... It's just a mess. You know, but it's just gimmick. That's all it is. Cowboy Bob Orton, who is part of the entourage of Piper, has no cast on, folks. And that that makes me laugh because everyone associates Cowboy Bob Orton with an, a cast. He's got a nice tartan shot on here, and you know, I, lo I love the tartan of, you know, Piper's kind of ensemble here. As the referee goes over the rules with both men, Piper is pure running his mouth with Mr. T, who won't even look at him. They square up to each other and have to actually be separated and forced into their corners. Piper says, we don't need any of that crap in here. Susan actually says she's glad that she's up where she is. I mean, I would imagine that's probably because she's got a good view of the match. As the bell rings... And round one is underway. Now, I'll tell you what, folks, before we actually get into the match itself, I did not expect to be reviewing a boxing match on a wrestling podcast, but hey-ho, this is WrestleMania, and it's probably not the last time we will have any kind of match that's not a wrestling match. So the bell rings, and we're underway here. Piper immediately throwing some jabs. Mr. T responding with some body punch of his own. We actually have a proper boxing referee. I know I actually said it would be nice to have proper boxing people involved. We do actually have a boxing referee here, so, so apologies for that. Mr. T, in my opinion, though, was much better as Clubber Lang than he is right now here in the boxing ring. He looks sloppy and awful, whereas in the films he looks proper fucking powerful, you know, and mean as fuck. Referee warns Piper to break when he tells him 
Mr. T's just trying to work away at the body here. Piper's actually trying to box properly as Mr. T swings right to left to dodge. Susan speaks so softly during this, like, come on, T. Mr. T and Piper are basically gr grabbing a hold of each other here. I've got a feeling this might not actually turn out to be a boxing match in the end. Piper tries to go for a hard strike, but they end up cuddling up the corner. The referee can't split him as round one is over. Bell doesn't stop these men, though. And the crowd are totally dead. The crowd just, they're like, why are we, I came to watch wrestling, why am I watching boxing? Piper's over in Mr. T's corner shouting at T. T's just not responding at all as round two gets underway. Mr. T comes out, but the referee stops saying he's got some kind of grease all over his face to Piper and wipes it off. Piper going at it with Mr. T landing lots of shots here. Piper actually would say so far, if I had to give my honest opinion on boxing terms here, is winning this. He's got, he's got points here. He's got the points so far. In my opinion, he's definitely winning this. And it actually, because this match really come across as really, 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 really amateur boxing. Mr. T is in, in the corner now as Piper lands a couple of big right hands on him. Mr. T actually looks like he's struggling. Piper keeps landing the shots and knocks Mr. T down. Christ, Clubber Lang is down. What happened to you, Clubber? Jesus Christ, hit that fucking right hook. No, Crump, but no, you're down. The referee's holding Piper back and what amazes me watching this is how Mr. T, who's put over more as the boxer, worked to train for wrestling last year, looks okay, but Piper is in total control and frankly making him look shit as a boxer. Mr. T drops to his knees as round two ends. The referee counts as Piper nails him in the back and T has to be carried in his corner. Mr. T looks absolutely awful here. It's, it's some badass he is. Mr. Piper's taken up a town, man. Piper's in full control. His Orton comes over and throws a bucket of water over Mr. T to add insult into injury. Round three gets underway here. Surely Piper's going to put him away in this one. Surely. Mr. T starts coming back, though, working away at the body, forcing Piper into the corner, pounding away at him. He nails Piper with a big left, which gets a response from the crowd who wake up. And Piper is down in the corner. So, one knockdown a piece there, as Piper is up after the eight count. Piper instantly goading at Mr. T to come on him, as Piper actually looks knackered now all of a sudden. Mr. T lands more punches as the crowd start a more a small T chant. Mr. T pushes Piper back into the corner and nails a big right hand, and Piper actually rolls out of the ring. Surely that's a knockout. He's knocked him down, but he's out of the ring. What are you going to count him when he's out of the ring? You know, what if he gets back up on his feet outside the ring? Does he make the 10 count there, or has he got to make the 10 count by getting back in? Nope, Piper's back up and in the ring. Mr. T holds him back in the corner. Piper is, he's gone. He's fucked here. But round three ends, and both men are gassed here. I hope they're not trying to put this over as some grueling fight. It's not. I'm trying to make it sound better than it actually was. And, oh, hello, we've got a ring girl with a golden glove that says round four. Vince says we didn't see her earlier because of the action in between the rounds. She gets pretty good reaction from the pairs in the crowd. Round four. Piper throws his stool at Mr. T, which hits him. They exchange with big open right hands each other. Piper keeps landing blows as Mr. T keeps fighting back. There's some booze in the crowd for T at this point. Christ, a massive right hand from Piper. They're just openly brawling here and blowing each other. Piper actually hits the referee and then scoop slams Mr. T. The bell rings as all hell breaks loose. The ring is flooded with him and try to break this right ass up as even ring hands and camera men jump in to split up. 
Mr T gets awarded the win for a stoppage in round four by disqualification. The crowd have mixed reactions about this result, but Mr T wins despite Orton holding Piper's arm up outside the ring as they leave. Piper got so desperate, according to Susan, that he had to resort to wrestling, despite the fact he had it won. I'll agree, Piper could have easily put Mr T away here. And we get a sad end to... Main, the main event here in New York, as like I said, personally, I wanted Piper to win this. He should have won it. He could have put Mr. T away easily, but Mr. T came firing back. Old Clubber done it in the end. As that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up the New York element of WrestleMania 2. So just before we move on, we'll just have a wee quick summary. So, Ondorf versus Miracle. The crowd were really looking for this match to be something more than it actually was. And it was disappointing that ended up in double counting. As for Savage and Steel, well, you know my thoughts on it. I didn't enjoy it for a title match. It just it, there was no story or anything to it. If that if you're going to have both of them fight each other, then don't put the belt on the line. I get that George Steele is obsessed with Elizabeth, and that's what's brought this around. I get, but in terms of the actual match, it was nothing more than a gimmick match. As for Jake Robertson, George Wells, well, it was kind of a half squash match, whole purpose of it is purely just to put the snake over really, and lastly our main event, the boxing match in theory, yeah in paper it probably works, to be honest, yeah execution wise I'm not so sure I, I, commentating it or this, well when I say commentating it I mean going over it for this podcast I guess it may have sounded probably better than it was it had its moments Let's just say that. It was probably passable at best. So moving on now, we go to Chicago with Gorilla Monsoon. He introduces Mean Gene, who hypes the 20-man Battle Royale we're going to see. Monsoon then introduces our co-commentator, Kathy Lee Crosby, who is wearing some sort of silvery space jumpsuit. Christ, his fashion was bad, wasn't it? Our ring announcer is one Chet Kopik. Our opening contest here is for the women's title. Velvet McIntyre from Cork County Island takes on the champ, the fabulous Muller, who comes out to big heat. We're straight into the match here as Muller goes straight after Velvet, throwing her around by the hair. She throws her off the ropes and nails her right hand. Velvet then leapfrogs over Muller and drop kicks and then hits her back elbow and a scoop slam. I just noticed at this point she's actually wrestling with no shoes on, like old school wrestling. Velvet then misses a splash from the second rope, which Muller then just rolls over, lies on top, and gets the free count. Crowd's really only happy about that. It was, um, that was quick. Jet announces the winner as the fabulous Muller. The fabulous Muller. 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 Is he Ken Kennedy's dad? Chet Kopic really is related to Mr. Kennedy, but maybe it's just one of those ones that it's kind of he's just trying to give it his best and he's trying to sound like the announcers of the day. 
Mean Gene tells us that the tag match that's coming up later will be have two referees. There's major heat in the crowd here tonight. Chicago seems quite rowdy. Gene says Cafe has been aligned with a few football players, making her sound like a bit of a whore. We go to the ring. Ah, okay, right, now, now we, we discovered why we heat. That's because Nikolai Volkov is in the ring. Up next is our flag match, Volkov versus Corporal Kitchener. Freddie Blassie accompanying Volkov, as per usual, crowd giving him big heat, throwing garbage in the ring. Chet tells us that Volkov will now sing the Soviet National Anthem. Well, at least we can see him this time. There's no Madison Square Garden microphone covering his face. The drums start and out comes Corporal Kitchener with the American flag. He actually gets some flashing lights. This is awesome. Bit of a light show here. Proper entrances, this feels like. He's got music as well. It's brilliant. Crowds really like him. They give him a great reaction as we're getting a classic USA versus Russia match. Kirchner starts the USA champs and he's decked out in his full army gear. Kirchner, by the way, was a member of the 82nd Airborne. So he is not gimmicky. He's actually portraying, well, his old job, pretty much. Uh, and during the pre-WrestleMania 2 interview, actually, with Ventura, Ventura actually broke character when Kirchner referred to Ventura's time as a SEAL, agreeing with him. You know, it was quite nice, that kind of nod, like, I know you were a SEAL, you know, it was great that Ventura, whilst he can come across as a dick, kind of broke character, like, I'm proud of the time I served for my country, you know. Nice. So we got underway here as Volkov nails a knee and takes control from the outset. He throws Kirchner to the outside. Scraggles Arena at this point, by the way, because it's the first time we'll get to see it, is pretty much the same as New York, more or less. Volkov is biting Kirchner. Referee's allowing it. it. Seems that biting is allowed here at WrestleMania 2. He's promoting cannibalism, if anything. He batters Corporal's head off the steel ring post. Blassi starts taunting Corporal. Get in there, you yellow dog! Kinda, it's not a bad impression of Blassie. It's not as good as time when he gets older, you know. Corporal comes back with some big right hands. Mean Gene calls Monsu Gino. Oh, for fuck's sake. not actually calling him Gino, it sounds that it. it's actually Gino. Gino Morella was one of Gorilla Monsoon's ring names in case you didn't know. That ends that joke, or attempt a joke, no more, that's it, no more, I dream of Gino. The referee is down as Kirchner accidentally hits him. Kirchner's actually bleeding, there's some blood here, Jesus. Blasi throws the cane in, but the Corporal catches it and nails Volkov and picks up the free count for the win. Corporal Kitchener wins the flag match, but it turns out that the winner gets to raise their own flag. It's not a flag in a pole match, sadly. Crowd are quite behind Kirchner here. He looked quite pretty decent, actually. Quite liked him, actually. First time I've a- I can remember watching him. I've watched WrestleMania 2, obviously, before, but he didn't stand out. But looking at here for the purpose of the podcast, yeah. Not bad. He leaves with his head held high backstage. Uh, at this point, that's where we notice that the WrestleMania 2 logo is right next to the entrance. So, nice that they're actually attempting to make an entrance here in Chicago. Yeah, replay the finish. And Kirchner's music actually reminds me of something you'd hear in a carousel. Chet now introduces Mean Gene. He runs over the rules. All men will start in the ring together. It's over the top rope. Both feet hitting the floor until one is left. We have celebs here 
well, I suppose the match itself is including celebrities, if you will. Claire Peller is our timekeeper. No idea who she is, but she's just some old bag who waves a microphone around and doesn't say anything. Dick Butkus of the Chicago Bears is our referee, alongside Ed Tootle Jones. And the participants are... Ladies and gentlemen, here are the participants. From the Super Bowl champion, Chicago Bears. Weighing 275 pounds, the outstanding offensive tackle, Jimbo Covert. Virginia weighing 250 pounds, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. From Boston, Massachusetts, weighing 285 pounds, strongest man of the world, Ted Arcini. From the Dallas Cowboys, weighing 260 pounds, one of the greatest defensive ends ever to play pro football, Harvey Martin. From Tampa, Florida, weighing 268 pounds, golden boy, Dan Spivey. From Mudlet, Kentucky, weighing 286 pounds, Hillbilly Jim. From the Isle of Tonga, weighing 273 pounds, King Tonga. From Tehran, Iran, weighing 258 pounds, former World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, the Iron Sheik. Steelers, weighing 280 pounds, a former member of the fabled Steel Curtain, Ernie Holmes. From Tampa, Florida, and White Bear Lake, Minnesota, respectively, at a total combined weight of 468 pounds, B. Brian Blair and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, the Killer Bees. From Los Angeles, California, weighing in at 364 pounds, Big John Studd. And ladies and gentlemen, from the Atlanta Falcons, he weighs 280 pounds, the 1985 NFL Rookie of the Year, Bill Fraley. From Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and Reno, Nevada, respectively, at a total combined weight 
of 514 pounds, members of the Hart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Francisco 49ers, weighing in at 242 pounds. Tonight, he walks in the shoes of his legendary father, Sir Edmund Francis, the outstanding tight end and three-time Pro Bowl selection, Russ Francis. From the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, weighing 245 pounds, professional wrestling's only living legend, Bruno San Martino. From the Chicago Bears. Weighing the 304 pounds, the one, the only, the refrigerator, William Perry. So now we've got them all in the ring just before it gets underway. We've got some pretty notable performers in this match. You know, Hillbilly Jim's there, the Sheik's there. Big John Studd, obviously. Bret Hart! Christ, Bret Hart's here! But in his one and only pay-per-view appearance ever in WWE at 50 years old is Bruno, the living legend, San Martino. And of course, last but not least that came out there was Andre the Giant, who is dressed like a giant Hulk Hogan here in yellow tights. So this is put across as a 20-man battle royale, WWF versus NFL. Really, it's 16 wrestlers versus 6 NFL players. It's not really kind of them versus us. It's just basically, here's 6 NFL players, and that's it. But Christ, the weight that's in this ring, how the hell is the ring not collapsing? Apparently, according to Monsoon, it's 5,602 pounds that are in that ring and the ring must have had I think he actually referred to it and said that the ring was reinforced to deal with the weight but we're underway in crisis I'm his did my best to try and track without actually going on to Wikipedia and actually seeing who was being eliminated did my best to track it notably that Tonga and Covert gets thrown out by Bill Freilich Bruno throws Ernie Holmes out. Andre and Studd are going at it in the corner, striking up from WrestleMania 1 again. Ernie, the cat lad, is co-commentating as one of the bees is thrown out. Ernie says you've got some million dollar contracts out there and he totally reminds me of the Duke from Rocky Five when he says that. The greatest array of talent, probably the most expensive amount of talent ever assembled in one ring and what? you got some million dollar contracts in that ring. Judgment, I'll suit. Judgment, Tony Atlas is gone, Fridge and Studs are going at it. Harvey Martin and Pedro go out at the same time. I see that he's gone now. 
Fridge and Freelich go at it as the golden boy, who looks like a precursor to a young, stunning Steve Austin, is thrown out. Sheik eliminates Hillbilly Jim, and the other B, Brian Blair, is thrown out. Like I said, I've probably missed a few, but this is it's all over the shop. It's hard to actually track the hell's going on. Freelich is thrown out, which is a shame, because when he was coming down, I actually thought Freelich kind of looks like he could, well, he would fit in a modern day, you know, he's kind of going to build of like Randy Orton to compare. So he could, he actually does look like he could be a wrestler, but the rest of them are just looking a pair of joggies and a vest. San Martino does some kind of 10-punch spot, but doesn't actually count. Crowd don't count either. Stud eliminates Bruno. Down to six now, the Hart Foundation attempt to throw the fridge out, who goes over the top, but doesn't go to the floor. Fridge comes in and tackles Stud, but Stud blocks the second attempt and throws the fridge out. The Fridge gets up and he wants to shake his hand. Stud stupidly accepts. You can see this a mile coming, folks, and gets pulled out by the Fridge. Down to four. Andre, Hart Foundation, and Russ Francis. Double drop cracks from both of the Hearts, which ties Andre up in the ropes. Hearts work away in Francis, who is then eliminated, as we're now down to Andre the Giant and the Hart Foundation. I think we can see how this is going to go, folks. Andre gives a big boot to Brett, knocking him down, grabs Neidhart by the hair and bashes both their heads together. He whips Neidhart off the ropes, big boot, Jim staggers about and then jumps over the top ropes. Oh my god, it's such a shite elimination. It's like, he kicks him and he's like, oh shit, where's the ropes? Oh, there's there, and throws himself out. Brett stupidly goes up top, Andre picks him up and just launches him outside and wins. Andre the Giant wins our NFL WWF Battle Royal. Monsoon does actually say that no one has ever won more Battle Royals than Andre the Giant, hence why we have one named after him, folk, which is an interesting fact to you. And to be honest, I didn't even know that myself. Chet announces the winner, and he's still giving it the Ken Kennedy treatment. Kennedy! So we're halfway through the show now, folks. Back to Vince and Susan in New York, who has Roddy Piper with him. Piper says he didn't understand. He said if he wanted a picnic, he'd have packed a lunch. He came to fight. Claims that Mr. T cheated, just like Perry cheated with studs. That's refrigerator Perry, sorry, folks, just to clarify. Piper says about dying himself black again. Oh, Jesus Christ, he's not going to let this go. He's not. He's claiming he's never going to dye himself black. Roddy, wait till WrestleMania 6 and we'll see if that's going to stand true. He says that Joe Frazier did look good with his tartan shorts on. We got a replay of the boxing match finish at this point. And Piper says that the referee just kept sticking his nose at and he says how there was nothing left of Mr. T when he was done with him. Following this, Piper wouldn't appear on WWF again until about August where he would actually come back for a babyface run right through to WrestleMania 3 where he would then go on another hiatus. He wrote in his book that this is actually the first time he took a break from wrestling since 1973. And it not only would it be good for him to get a rest, for once, but it would also prepare the fans to accept him as a face and a megastar before Hollywood would get their hands on him eventually. So back to Mean Gene in Chicago with Jimbo Covert. He claims he got cheated. He helped, pay, <laughs> he helped Perry and Freelich cheat. Nah, nah mate, you didn't. He eliminated you. Iron Sheik comes up. Gene Says wrestlers are better than footballers. Flexes muscles. Iran number one, and heads off. Still a promo. <laughs> Back to Monsoon as we see a replay of the Battle Royal finish. Replays of the fridge. Monsoon's it's unbelievable action, and Cafe can't believe it either. 
There's plenty of action still to come, apparently, folks, as we head into our main event in Chicago. The WWF Tag Team titles are on the line here. The Dream Team, who are already in ring, will take on the British Bulldogs. Chet does a really lacklustre job of introducing this match, doing his Mr. Kennedy again. So we've got two referees here. Basically, one is basically just to officiate outside. That's all. That's the reason for the second one. Luscious Johnny Valent is introduced wearing a glittery headband, red jacket tights and cowboy boots. Valentine's introduced first, given the Kennedy treatment, Valentine, Valentine. Brutus holds his hands up to his ear for the crowd. The classic WWF tag team titles are around their waist. So that's the high seas title and the tag titles have been upgraded here, folks, since the last one. Music starts playing as the challengers come out to rule Britannia. The British Bulldogs, Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith with Lou Albano and Ozzy Osbourne in their corner. I absolutely love Davy Boy growing up, purely because he was a British wrestler. When I started watching, Piper was in the way out, and that was around about WrestleMania 8. So Davy Boy was naturally the homegrown guy that I gravitated towards. Monsoon in Oakland discussed where Davy Boy is from. He's from Manchester, folks, and Alfred Hayes, who's from Windermere. Champs show off their titles. Again, we get a reminder that there'll be one ref inside the ring and one outside. Cafe asks why. Monsoon basically says it's to stop Albano and Valiant getting involved. Albano appears to have two elastic bands pierced into him now. Davy Boy looks really weird without the dreadlocks to me actually at this point. Bell is wrong. Davy and Hammer get underway. They lock up and Hammer gets knocked down. Comes back with two big blows. He attempts to take down Davy Boy who just rolls out and locks in a wrist lock. Hip toss for the Hammer and a missed fist drop. Dynamite Kid gets tagged in. It's the first time I've ever seen him in the ring fighting. Hammer sends Dynamite off the ropes who shoulder blocks him from the middle of the ring into the corner. Suplex and elbow drop from the Dynamite Kid as Davy Boy gets tagged back in. Hammer blocks a suplex attempt. Davy Boy blocks it and reverses Hammer's suplex for a two count. Hammer rolls out the ring and Valiant tells him to relax. Hammer gets Davy Boy in the corner and whips him across but it's reversed. Hammer comes out the corner, appears to stop and drops to his knees, which Davy goes down to. I'm looking back, actually appears to be a Face to the knee, similar to what Triple H used to do without a jump. And I had to look at this again because in first look at that, it truly looked like a botch. Got a headbutt to the crotch, which surely gains a low blow and questions the whole disqualification rulings. You know, we've got biting tonight. Several instances of biting, in fact. And now we've got basically another blatant boot to the balls. Brutus is tagged in. Monsoon hasn't called him Bruta yet. Oakland puts over the Bulldogs' teamwork thus far. Kathy pipes up that she's amazed thus far as Davy Boy press slams Brutus. He tags in Dynamite now. He whips Brutus off the ropes and goes to clothesline but Brutus botch pretty much no sells it. I think it's because Dynamite appears to move so fast around the ring that he actually didn't have any time to react like as if like what are you doing next? Oh sh- ah, shit you've clotheslined me. He can't drop to the ground because you can see that he's had that kind of moment to think about what he's just done. Got a small package from Dynamite for a two count as David Boy gets tagged back in and nails a fisherman suplex for another two count. Monson's still not called Brutus Bruta yet. I wonder if we could go through the full match with him doing it. Could be kind of interesting. Rest hole from Davey. Albano shouting, zoom in, cameraman! Directing the production also at ringside. Brutus tags the hammer in. Nice suplex for a two count. We see an insert of Lou and Ozzy at ringside. Hammer gets a headlock lock in. Tag by Dynamite as they start exchanging blows. Got to praise the Dynamite Kid here. He really lives up to his name. I actually get why he's called the Dynamite Kid. He's a really fast worker. He's hitting shoulder blocks in the corn, 
No, but sound them hitting the, the canvas really does make it sound like they're big hits and they hurt. David Boy's tagged back in, but he tags Dynamite straight back in for a double shoulder block. Another two count. Oakland says, fundamentally, you've got to hook the leg to get the count. Sunset flip by Dynamite gets a two count. It's getting closer. Backbreaker as Brutus breaks the pin. Oakland says the Bulldogs are the Cinderella team here in WWF. They're getting a lot of pins, but they're just not doing enough to get the free count. Aussie Island Spawn's apparently shaking the ringside, we're told. Hammer gets a pile driver, nails it. Hammer gets a pile driver, nails it going forward like Dynamite's head touches the canvas, which looks brutal. Close to a count as the Dynamite Kid kicks out. Hammer tries to drop a knee into the Dynamite Kid, but he gets his knee up to hit the crotch. Fucking another low blow. Like, remember when people used to get disqualified for stuff like this? Like, you would have think back then. I remember, like, hearing that back in the day you used to get disqualified for going up the top rope. And they're really lax. You'd expect a low blow of any form would be a disqualification. Hammer goes up top, but Dynamite Kid gets up and press slams him. Hammer's waving Brutus to get in. Dave Boy comes in to stop him. As if he stopped the pin count himself. Dave Boy goes to press slam Dynamite on Hammer, but he escaped. Comes back and hits stiff knees to the back of Dynamite's head. Dave Boy gets tagged in, picks up and hits that running power slam, but he only gets a two count. That's another finisher. But obviously at this time they're not putting it as his finisher. To me it is. Dave Boy hits a lovely suplex. Hammer reverses Davey right into the steel post and hit his shoulder. Hammer, who's done most of the work here, tags Brutus in. And I forgot to actually say that Brutus is actually now dressing in the kind of tights and the look that, become, that he does when he becomes Brutus the Barber Beefcake. He's just missing the shears. Davey tries to snap me up, but Brutus lifts him up and slams him, hitting a stomp straight after. Davey's really selling his shoulder injury here. Hammer gets tagged in, drops the elbow from the top rope. Hammer then hits a shoulder breaker on that injured shoulder for the two count. Hammer gets rammed in the corner by Davey as Dynamite is climbing up top. But Dynamite gets sent flying out to the floor. And bear in mind, there's no mats here. So he is going for the top rope and landed straight on exposed concrete. Hammer falls to the canvas. Davey Boy just goes for the cover. And the Bulldogs pick up the victory. Out of nowhere, this finish came. Bruce is raising his heart, arms. He's absolutely delirious. Like... He's, yes, we've won. Albano and Ozzy Osbourne's come in and are holding the titles as Albano is shouting, Mean Gene, all right, all right, Mean Gene. We get an announcement of the win. The crowd really popped for the finish. Davey Boy isn't even in the ring at this point. He's outside helping Dynamite Kid up, who he must have taken a hell of a bump falling off the top ropes. Oakland is straight in the ring, interviewing Albano, who said he predicted this, and incoherently goes off in one and can't even make out. Ozzy Osbourne says this is fantastic and says British Bulldogs forever! Kathy's also in ring says Ozzy Osbourne needs to be in their corner from now on. He didn't actually get involved in the match so I don't know what he actually could bring, you know. But the Bulldogs come out of the ring they're finally given the title belts. Two WrestleManias, two tag team changes. Two teams, like the tag team titles changed hands at both WrestleMania so far. Dynamite's hurt pretty bad. Like, he's still out at ringside actually. And Davey says that they told the people that if they won, they would stay in America and this is where the titles are going to stay. Albano thanks the people from being there as we get a replay to finish. And seeing Dynamite Kid fall from like the, the second rope it was actually to expose concrete. Christ, man. I mean, he could have like separated his shoulder. If he could have landed in his head, Christ. 
But after this match so far, <laughs> there's only one match that's going to be a candidate for matching the night. This it was actually a really good tag match. Hannah should have really got Brutus more involved, but the Bulldogs this tad quick. They worked really well, and they deserve the victory. Monsoon and Kathy sign off as we head back to Vince in New York. Susan actually sounds like she's lost her voice. I don't know if she's been screaming at the TV. Vince tells us we're going to head back out west to LA soon. Vince and Susan then talk over the main event nearly as the jazzy music starts playing to fade out and lead us to Los Angeles. So just before we go out to LA, let's just have a wee quick summary of the matches in Chicago. First up, we had Fabulous Moolah defending against Velvet McIntyre in what was a very lacklustre championship match. Pretty much that Moolah had no offence whatsoever. It was basically a miss splash, rolled over in a pin. Up after that, we had Koppel Kitchener defeating Volkov in a flag match. As I said at the time, crowd really behind Kirchner, who looked pretty decent and quite enjoyed them. It's been a quite enjoyable match. Not a great match, not anything right home, but it was decent. Next up was the 20-man Battle Royale, which saw Andre the Giant defeating 19 of our men, eliminating Bret Hart to take the, well, not a title, but take the victory home with him. As I said at the time, bit of a mess of a match. NFL players clearly being cheated. Bill Freelick looked like he was actually a wrestler. He looked the part. The rest of them just in their trackies, you know, joggers, jogging suits and vests. The, the one thing that I, I took away from that was the fact that Andre Giant has won more battle royals than anyone, which explains why he has a memorial battle royale. And then last up in Chicago, we had the WWF Tag Team Championships as the British Bulldogs defeated the Dream Team in what was a very good match, a very good tag match. The British Bulldogs worked very well together, quick tags, working hard. The Dream Team struggled here. Beefcake didn't really get much of a look in here. It was more working away in Valentine. I hope Dynamite Kid didn't hurt himself on that bump, you know, being sent from the second, even though it was the second rope, but to be sent down onto exposed concrete. Hopefully there's no injuries there, but it was great to see another title change hands. And as I said, that's two WrestleManias, and both times the tag titles have changed their hands. So that wraps up Chicago, and let's head out east to Los Angeles, where Jesse, the body Ventura, welcomes us, joined by Lord Alfred Hayes and horror queen Elvira. They talk over the matches that we'll see here in LA tonight, and once again, looking at Jesse, and I'm like, what the fuck is he wearing? He's got dreadlocks, blonde dreadlocks, as we said earlier on. He's kind of gone all rusty, he's got a berry on. Uh, Jesse really confuses me how he... I don't get his style. I don't get what the kind of look he's going for here. He looks like a drag queen with like teeth missing him. Anyways, Hercules Hernandez is already in the ring behind him and the crowd are giving him some heat. Hayes is dressed in a white suit here with a nice red bow tie. We have an epic ring announcer here. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, your opening contest. Our actual announcer is one Lee Marshall, who, by the way, looks the spitting image of Nick from Celebrity Deathmatch. So our first match up here is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Hercules Hernandez. As we get an overall look of the arena here in Los Angeles, which looks pretty much the same as the other two, except we've got some ring barriers. As soon as Steamboat is introduced, Hercules goes straight for him, hammering away, battering Ricky's face off the turnbuckle. 
Ricky ducks twice and clotheslines him and hits two arm drags into an arm bar, which we know from WrestleMania 1, Ricky loves a good arm bar. When I actually look at Hercules and his curly, kind of longish hair, there's only one person that I could say he looks like here. Yep, he's the spitting image of Eugene. Quite pasty, white compared to him though, and compared to the very tanned looking steamboat who must hit the steam rooms and the tanning rooms. Hercules puts the dragon off the ropes, the dragon ducks the clothesline, Hercules leapfrogs. Hercules goes to lift Ricky who tucks his head in, bit of a miscommunication there, kinda a botch. Hercules does pick him up though and flips Ricky over, kicking him straight in the chest. Another arm drag straight into an armbar from Steamboat. Ventura says Steamboat is using his speed against Hercules here. Quite right, he is. Hercules is more of a kind of powerhouse looking kind of guy, whereas Steamboat's more athletic, as we all know. Ventura says that he needs to wear him down here and then asks for Elvira what the purpose in that little scarf is around his knee. Elvira champs up that he looks like a wimp with it on. Steamboat leapfrogs Hercules and back elbows him. Steamboat's in full control of this match, hitting a suplex and into another armbar. Jesus Christ, Ricky, gonna do something else other than an armbar. Hercules nails his head into this tumble and then hits a strong lariat with the crowd going, ooh! Starts kneeing to the head of Steamboat, which Elvira thinks is awesome. She says she's in awe of their bodies. Okay, she's coming across a bit slutty here. Flapjack onto ropes by Hercules, Steamboat's trying to fight back, goes to scoop, but the weight of Hercules sends him onto his back for a two count. Strong right hand from Hercules has Steamboat dazed. The commentators talk about the main event and the Funk Brothers tag match coming up. Hercules then hits a couple of elbow drops and poses to the crowd, drawing heat. He goes for a cover, two count. Steamboat gets up and hits some vicious chops. Woo! Hercules ducks the third chop and hits a lariat, goes for a pin, two count again, goes for another pin, two count again. Press slam by Hercules as Ventura explains to Elvira they need to hook the leg. I love the consistency in the commentators, that's in two venues tonight, we had Oakland saying it, now Ventura, I love the consistency. To get a free count, you need to hook the leg. It's the only way, if you don't hook the leg, two count, hooking that leg obviously prevents the kick out. Another press slam, the ring has really got a kind of hard mat compared to Chicago which was really springy and you could actually hear the springs. This is pure like, no give at all. Hercules goes up top and goes to splash Ricky but Ricky gets his knees up. Then Ricky goes up top himself, hits a crossbody, one, two, three, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat wins. I see crossbody, his crossbody was pretty much a crotch to the face. Hercules hits the mat in frustration as Steamboat has his arm raised. Ventura complains of a fast count here, with Hercules complaining to referee as soon as the announcement is made. Apparently, in this match, this is, this is quite interesting, Hercules Hernandez wasn't Rookie the Dragon Steamboat's original opponent. It was actually only a week prior to WrestleMania that he was scheduled in. Steamboat's original opponent was in fact Bret Hart going to into this match who instead, as we've seen earlier on, was in the Battle Royal. Hart was said to have been absolutely gutted at missing out on a chance to fight Steamboat here at WrestleMania, but it didn't stop them having a Stormer match at the Boston Garden, which apparently was Bret Hart's first singles bout in WWF. So we could have had a better match in seeing Dragon versus Hart, basically, but not a bad match here overall as Eugene leaves defeated. We get a WrestleMania graphic 
which fades in to show Jimmy Hart and then Adrian Adonis entering the ring. God, Adrian Adonis' gimmick here is one that I really don't like. I know Elorona said about George Animal Steel. Now, if I had to put George Animal Steel in against Adrian Adonis with this gimmick, I would be right behind Animal Steel all the way. And as you heard earlier on in the podcast, I'm not a fan of that gimmick. Adonis is taking on one Uncle Elmer here. Jimmy Hart's introduced, and we can see the camera's actually up in the top corner point, looking down the arena. The adorable Adrian Adonis is introduced by Marshall. He looks basically like he's wearing makeup and a granny dress. Hillbilly music starts playing, which is overdubbed as Uncle Elmer comes out. Yep, this music is Hillbilly, alright. Straight off the fields in his dungarees, Elmer. And this music kind of reminds me of Julian Banjo's. Christ, look at it, Uncle Elmer here, I'm actually questioning if this guy really is a wrestler, he just looks like some fat bastard in dungarees that's climbed into the ring. Do you know actually who he reminds me of? He reminds me of an older, bolder, fatter Hulk Hogan. Attention Marge Simpson, we've also arrested your older, bolder, fatter son. <laughs> that's, he actually looks as if he's Hulk Hogan's older, kind of big brother, basically. The legs are actually cut off in his dungarees, which... Actually, do you know what? I don't even know what's worse here. Uncle Elmer, who starts gyrating on Adonis's face with that awful makeup. I mean, it's it's not even done up right. You know, it's a mess. It's like, you know, in the episode of The Simpsons where Homer creates the shotgun make you know the makeup and shoots like Marge in the face. That's what Uncle Elmer's face looks like here. Adonis and Hart hug it out at ringside. Music, the, by the way, the hillbilly music here is still playing. Mr. Overdubber has forgot to stop it. Adonis gets into the ring and we are unfortunately underway here as Elmer beats away and whipping Adonis across the ring, flipping him up into the corner. Elmer hits a right hand so hard that Elmer falls into a corner. We actually put the gif of this in our Twitter, by the way, so go into our WrestleMania moments and you'll see it. It's absolutely hilarious. I've never seen a guy punch someone and actually fall back it's it's tremendous it's actually it's probably going to do you know what I think it's actually going to be a botch in the night if you could even call a botch but this match is totally awful I mean Elmer's hitting an all right hand Adonis runs into the steel post outside Hart's screaming come on man watch the fists Nana Adrian as I've come to call him as I'm watching this comes back in and Elmer rips off his granny dress thank God, he's wearing tights underneath. <laughs> rope flips him into the ring, guts him with his belly. Adonis rolls over the ropes, tying himself up. A boot to the head by Adonis is totally no-sold by Elmer. And Elvira, at this point, says that she wants the dress back on. She really isn't enjoying this. Elmer tries right hands, reverse whips into the corner and misses a very shit leg drop. Got a cracking quote from Avira at this point, who says, This is the most cellulite she has seen in one place at one time. Ventura actually asks, What, on both of them? She says, No, on Adonis. Adonis goes up top, nails a fist drop. One, two, three, thank God it's over. Christ, this kind of match really shows you the difference between WrestleMania 1 and 2. It's just fucking awful now, this. I thought, like, I said the, the Savage Steel match was awful, but geez, oh, this is our worst match so far. I mean, after a good tag match, we get this shit. Jesus. 
But after the match, Uncle Elmer gets nailed with another fist as well. And holy fuck, Jimmy Hart's actually got his megaphone. Come on, baby! That actually sounds like there's a police siren also in the background. Either that or it's just some fan. Like, Ventura takes us backstage to Hayes with the champ. He says this will be his toughest defence yet and he's not 100% as Bundy put him in a hospital before. I love that Hulkster's hyping Hulkamania here in Living Forever. I love that we're actually now starting to see this. Whilst this is going on, you can hear the ambulance siren in the background again. I actually got distracted when I was watching the promo, trying to figure out what it was. But as we go back to the ring, um, we see the Funk Brothers are all in ring and I actually realised it was. It's fucking Jimmy Hart's megaphone. He keeps hitting the siren on it. Which is frankly quite annoying because it like with the mess of the production has been at some points in this. I did wonder if like someone was you know, recording outside and we could hear an ambulance going by. The Funk Brothers, Terry and Horse Funk, legendary Terry Funk making his WrestleMania debut tonight. He's getting quite mouthy with the referee who's one Dave Hebner. Their opponents come down to the Ghostbusters rip off as Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana teaming up here. They chase the Funks out of the ring. Ventura says JYD should not be allowed to carry that chain as Terry Funk tosses a chain at the ring slamming and then slams one at ringside. This ain't no hardcore match yet, Chainsaw Charlie. Hoss starts off with JYD in blue tights. Hart is immediately billowing in that megaphone. JYD, interesting move, right up. JYD's in the corner. Hoss goes to whip him and as he's done, Terry tries to reach in and grab him which I don't know why, Terry Funk actually then goes over the top rope into the ring. Hoss gets reversed and whipped into Terry in the corner. It's not technically like a botch, but it's like a what kind of botch. I think I actually kind of gift this. It was interesting, like, just to say it again, right, so, Junior Dog is whipped into the corner. As he's in the corner, Terry Funk tries to reach in and grab him. Terry falls into the ring, and as... JYD is attempted to be whipped again. He reverses the whip and whips Hoss into his brother. Like I said, came across a kind of whopped botch. JYD hits two scoops to each Funk. Tito's then tagged in with right forearms, sending Terry Funk to the outside. Baron Tura sounds like he calls him Chico Santana, which could be construed as kind of racist, but... In an interview with Tito Santana, like further down the line, he actually said that he was never aware of Ventura's racially infused commentary. And he actually said that he had a very good relationship with Ventura. And in reality, it was, it's, it, I felt like he was doing him a favour by putting him over, you know, kind of being the heel commentator, like running him down, calling him Chico. It kind of helped put him over. But he said that he never actually had a problem with being called it. And he really had a great time when he did have matches against Ventura. Anyways, moving on. Tito's tagged in. Horse tags Terry in. We've got big chops from Terry Funk. Terry's sent off the ropes and we got another botch. Or again, is this another walked botch? We don't know here, folks. Terry runs in, literally into the other ropes. Like, front, he doesn't actually turn to go off them. He runs into them. Attempts to go over the top rope. But doesn't. And we gift this, and it's on our Twitter again, folks. Hoss is then tagged in to be met with drop kicks from Tito. Hoss bails out of the ring. Funks are a total messing all over the shop here. A really amateur. Hart is shouting, We got him, baby! We got him, baby! To a member of the crowd. Jimmy, no, you don't. I don't know what match you're watching here, but unless you're now back in Junkyard Dong, Tito Santana, you ain't got shit. 
Junkyard Dog is tagged back in with Terry. They box each other a little. Junkyard Dog hits a stiff rehand to Terry Funk's jaw. He then does a 10 spot, battering Funk's head off the turnbuckle. Funk goes over the other corner, corner and Junkyard Dog does 7 this time. Pushing along goes for the cover but it's broken up. Junkyard Dog tosses Terry to the outside onto the exposed concrete out there again. They'll be pretty hard bumps folks. Hoss is tagged in and locks up with Junkyard Dog who tags Tito in. Hoss by the way is, if you've never seen him, is just basically a blonde boulder version of Terry Funk. Tito hits a nice flying forearm off the ropes. Tito drags Hoss into the ring. They crisscross, throwback to last year. But Terry nails Tito in the back as he hits the ropes. Terry calls him a son of a bitch. Then throws him outside. Hart gets a couple of cheap kicks there. Junkyard Dog helps Tito as both Funk stomp at Tito from the apron. Hart shouts, give it up Santana, get up. Suplex from Terry gets a two count. Terry then goes after the referee who throws him off. The suplex attempt by Terry is then reversed by Tito. Elvira says that she hopes they are some strong trunks as they keep grabbing them in case they break away. Ventura says she might get a show if they do, which Elvira says, woo, that's what I came for. Gratuitous nudity, folks. That's why Elvira is here. Terry and Tito run into each other. Horse is tagged in. A nice double arm suplex for a two. Hearts screaming at ringside, free, 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 free. Tito's trying to fight back. Hmm, hot tag. Imminent, folks. Double team by the Funks as Terry misses a leg drop. Tito's trying to fight back. He really needs to make this tag. Tries crawling around the ring like a dog. Evades Terry. Gets the tag. Good hot tag here, folks, as the crowd really react to it. Junkyard Dog hits both Funks with big hands. Batters each heads together. Hits Terry with a clothesline. Big right hand to Hoss. Send him to the outside. As Terry, with a rope now in hand, starts choking Junkyard Dog. Jimmy Hart gets up in the apron, trying to distract the referee. Junkyard Dog headbutts him and then back body drops Terry to the outside onto the concrete. Christ, that would have hurt. There's mayhem at ringside now. Headbutts to horse, then Terry scoop slammed onto tables and chairs. Terry is back in the ring as Junkyard Dog goes after Jimmy Hart, pulling him onto April and then nails him. Then nails horse. A small package is broken up by horse, who is locked in the figure four by Tito, but it's broken up quickly. Jimmy Hart tosses the megaphone in. Terry hits him with a fucking foreign object. Terry covers one, two, three. He get the win. Tito is raging, and for the second year in a row, Junkyard Dog is screwed. The Funks win. Bullshit chance from the crowd as soon as this one is over, folks. Tito consoles Junkyard Dog as we get a wee replay of the finish. Terry's limping actually quite bad, and I believed he injured his knee during the match. With that one out of the way now, folks, we head into our main event. The cage is now being brought out to ringside as Hayes tells us that the now classic blue steel cage is reinforced due to King Kong Bundy's weight. Ventura does mention that it used to be the old chain link fences we see. Elvira says that the cage looks like one of the rooms in her house. Jesse's chat-up attempts here are awful. As we go back to Saturday night's main events of Oakland and Hogan's private gin as he walks out, he takes his back showing Hogan versus Morocco with Bundy interfering. This is where we get Bundy avalanching Hogan three times, injuring his ribs. Help Billy Jim is also with Dr. Bob, sounds like a reputable doctor, and the doctor advises that Hogan is not cleared to fight and he tells Hogan not to fight. The risks are that he'll have a disc problem in his lower back resulting in permanent injury and surgery. 
Hogan is actually taped up here. He struggles to cut a promo in pain, really putting over that injury. He says he's committed to defend the tail for all the Hulkamaniacs. Hogan shows us a heavy chin when he has £100 around his neck doing chin-ups. I tell you what, he's not called the Hulk for nothing, folks. The doc says he's looking strong, actually, at this time. And Hillbilly Jim says that's a strong man right there. Hogan says he will do a 1000 to beat Bundy. He puts over five and a half weeks he's been living with this pain and training. Ventura is here. He says he's coming at you, WrestleMania 2, with Heenan and Bundy now. Brain is going to be packing the gold very soon and the proudest man. Bundy, as I said before, looks like the kind of generic fat creator wrestler. Bundy says each time him and Hogan are in the ring, it's always Hogan in the canvas and always Hogan going to hospital. Fire up the ambulance, Hogan, because you're going back to hospital, according to Bundy. He says you don't mess with the Heenan family, which is the first reference we get to that famous classic stable. The brain says that Hogan will be in different places and the docks nearly able to struggle to put him back together. And from now on, his Bundy mania, which cracked a laugh from me. Ventura finishes off by saying, I believe Bunny is ready. Elvira, who at this point looks like a rack is about to fall out. I can see why exactly men gravitated towards this lady. She says, we're going back to New York for Vince and Susan as we get a shot of the cage. And we actually know it's part of the top of the cage is actually Ben. Like, this is supposed to be a brand new cage reinforced for the match. And it looks like Bundy's already tried climbing out. Susan, back in New York, shouts, Bundy Mania, give me a break. Zero chance of that happening according to her. Susan, to be fair, looks like she's actually enjoyed herself tonight, which makes one of us. Vince talks about Bundy being the champion and how stranger things have happened in the past. Susan then responds by saying, this is true. Elvira, for example. Ouch. She waves to the camera, maybe to Elvira perhaps, as we go back to LA to see the cage is now ready and we are ready for our main event, folks. Jessie asks Elvira if she's seen anything like this before. She says she hasn't and Ventura reminds us here that normally the fence is like a chain link fence, which is the style we get today. But due to Bundy's weight, we've had to change this. I'll be honest, I love the classic blue bar steel cage. It's a proper cage. Being thrown into that feels like it really hurt and the door escape spots are absolutely awesome. In comparison, the chain link fences, if, like, if you've not, when you were younger, wrestled and mimicked a steel cage by being thrown into a chain link fencing, you'll realise it's just being thrown into it doesn't hurt at all. You just kind of bounce into it because of the give. Whereas if you're kind of thrown into a solid bar, that's going to hurt your back or whatever part of your body. So, to me, the proper blue bar steel cage felt more like a proper real cage. In ring, our ring announcer Lee Marshall introduces Ellie Dodger manager Tommy Lasoda to a big pop from the crowd. He's our guest ring announcer for the main event. He introduces the officials, timekeeper Ricky Schroeder of Silver Spoons program apparently, but he gets booed. Referee is no Muhammad Ali tonight. It's one Robert Conrad who gets a decent reaction from the crowd. And he's not even in proper referee gear. Like, he looks like he's just came out of a business meeting with an open button shirt. The WWF title is on the line here, folks. And it's proper cage match rules. Escape by exiting through the door or climbing out the ring. No pinfall or submission. King Kong Bundy is out first, led by the brain. They bill him as a staggering £468. There's real heat for Bundy. And the brain is dressed in a sparkly jumpsuit. 
Real American hits as the champ makes his way to ringside with a headband in his mouth and the old school WWF title belt on. Now when I say old school, that's not the winged eagle belt. It's predating that. Hogan rattles the cage and climbs up into the ring over the cage, ripping his shirt apart. The crowd are going absolutely mental for Hulk Hogan here and it's once again the pop of the night. Like the Hulkster in these early years always gets the pop of the night. Hogan whips the bell off as he wants to go straight for it. The bell is rung and the door is closed. We're underway, folks. No referee in the ring. Just both men as it's proper cage rules. Both men start exchanging right hands as Hogan goes off the ropes with a big right hand and chops. He throws Bundy off the ropes and nails a big boot. Bundy goes straight for the door. Hogan uses Bundy's singlet to strangle him and then batters Bundy's head off the cage. Elvira says, this looks like one of my horror movies. It's not that brutal, folks, to be honest. It's quite tame. It's a heated start, we'll say, but it's not that bad. Big chop by Hogan. Whips Bundy into the corner and clotheslines him. But the sound of these shots actually sounds like Hogan's going a little bit stiff on some of them. He tries to clothesline Bundy but can't get him down. Bundy blocks, getting his head bashed off the cage and Hogan gets hit in the ribs as Bundy starts working away on those injured ribs. Hogan chants start emanating from the crowd as Bundy boots away at the champ. Big body slam by Bundy who stands on Hogan's head pushing it right into the mat. We get a high shot of the ring as Bundy goes for the door. Hogan leaps out of nowhere across the ring to grab his leg. Bundy scoops Hogan up and drives his back into the cage. Bundy goes over for the door again, but Hogan once again grabs Bundy's leg, diving across the ring. Jesse reminds us that both feet must touch the floor to get the victory. So even if you go out the door, you've not won, you must hit both feet on that floor. Elvira gets excited. Oh, he's taking off more clothes. Oh, wait, it's his belt. She's a bit of a kind of whole bag, isn't she? I mean, she's here for nudity and all that, like... This is a family show, for God's sake. Bundy chokes Hogan with tape and then ties Hogan to the ropes, going for the door. Hogan rips out of the tape and stops Bundy at the door again. Hogan pulls him in, drives right hands into his head, whipping Bundy across the ring, hitting him with an elbow. Hogan boots Bundy to the gut, whips him off the ropes and tosses him into the cage wall. The crowd are really in a frenzy here as Bundy is now busted open. Blood here, folks. Blood at WrestleMania 2. Hogan drives right hands into the wind, raking it to expose it and open up even more. Bundy's thrown back into the cage and again and again and again and again. Hogan climbs up and uses his boot to choke Bundy on the top rope. When he climbs down, we notice that Bundy's actually bleeding quite bad here. Like, he's not crimson mask like, but he's quite busted open. Hogan attempts to body slam, but the weight causes him to fall over, giving Bundy a reprieve. Really puts over the rib injuries. Ribs really aren't 100% here. As Bundy gets up and makes way for the door. The Brain is trying to help him out. Dave Herbner's screaming at Brain to let him go. Hogan comes over and starts choking Bundy with the tape. Jesse forgets that Bundy choked Hogan earlier on, admonishing the Hulkster for doing so. Elvira asks if Jesse is jealous because he doesn't have a cartoon show, which Jesse tells her not to get on his case or she won't go out with him later. Mate, you've no chance. Like, she's ripping the piss out of you here. I don't think you're going to be going anywhere with this lady. Bundy rakes at Hogan's eyes and then whips him across the corner, hitting an avalanche and then an avalanche splashing top of Hogan. The Hulk chants are coming from the crowd as Hogan sits up 
Bundy's trying to get out the door as Hogan dies and grabs his leg again. Jesse says that Elvira's mouth is watering at their blood in there. She actually says it's making her hungry. Bundy hits another avalanche which Hogan then no-sells like a boss. He reverses the whip across the corner and power slams Bundy coming out of the corner. Not a, kind of, not a scoop slam, a body slam as the commentators say. Hogan hits an atomic leg drop, that finisher, and then signals to the crowd he's out of here. He climbs up the corner as the brain tries to stop him as Bundy catches Hogan. Hogan kicks Bundy down to the canvas, continues to climb. He's up and over and starts climbing down. He's on the ground and Hogan wins to a thunderous reaction from the crowd. The Hulkster retains the title here, folks, in what was an average steel cage match. The Brain is in the ring closing the door to run away from Hulk Hogan, but Hulkster overpowers the Brain and opens the door. He's got Brain in the ring as the Bundy is out of ringside. Brain tries to climb out, but Hogan grabs him and launches him into the cage. He hits an atomic drop and the Brain actually then dives through the ropes out of the cage door. Hogan gets announced the winner as still WWF champion as we see our world first world title defence here at WrestleMania, folks. Hulkster celebrates with his classic after-match poses as Bundy bloodied is out here. We get a camera shot from up in the rafters of the Hulkster posing. The crowd are going absolutely mental. There's actually a Hulkamania sign in the crowd, which I think is the only sign we've seen all night. As Jesse signs off on behalf of Lord Alfred Hayes and Elvira, and says we're off to make movies. We are then sent back to Vince McMahon with Hog inset of Hogan inviting Conrad to raise his hand. Vince signs us off, folks, and that's it. No outro package or interviews. It just cuts off as Hogan leaves the ring. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's... Now, that's the LA portion of WrestleMania 2, and that's WrestleMania 2. So, quickly, just before we move on to our... Aftermath and summoning conclusions. Run down the LA side of it. Ricky Steamboat defeated Hercules and Hernandez in an average match. Adrian Adonis and Uncle Elmer. In fact, the less said about that, the better. That was three minutes of my life I will never get back. The Funk Brothers, who looked very amateur, were defeated by the Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana. And then, lastly, folks, in the main event, Hulk Hogan defended, successfully defended the... WWF title in a cage match against King Kong Bundy. That was WrestleMania 2, folks. So let's kind of look over some facts, first of all. Now, specifically with the main event, one story that actually came out of WrestleMania, Bobby the Brain Heenan was suffering from neck issues, but yet still took bumps like a champ. In the days before WrestleMania, he actually went under an MRI scan showing fractured vertebrae. But he was told by WWF the night before WrestleMania that if he didn't show up, he'd be fired. So the brain checked himself out of hospital in Florida, flew up to LA, took a bump in the match for Christ's sake, and then flew back to hospital next day to await surgery. Kudos to the brain. Absolute committed and obviously didn't want to get sacked. In terms of the actual cage match, believe it or not, Hogan vs Bundy is the only traditional cage match we have ever had at Wrestlemania. Considering we've had multiple Hell in a Cell matches over the years, we've never had another steel cage match. Possibly more because the idea of someone escaping a cage to end a feud isn't really the best way to put over the end of a feud on the grandest stage of them all. So looking at the aftermath of Wrestlemania 2, Macho Man Randy Savage and Jordan Admiral Steel would continue their feud with each other, leading to a rematch for the Intercontinental title. 
on the January 3rd edition of Saturday Night's main event in 1987, where Steel once again ended up losing. Savage also intensively feuded with Hogan, but was unsuccessful in winning the WWF Championship from him. The new WWF Tag Team Championships, the British Bulldogs, would prepare to face any challenging team that come their way. They defeated former champions, the Dream Team, in a two out of three falls match at Saturday night's main event in October 86. That actually might be a match worth looking at further down the line for us. As for Hulk Hogan, he continued his WWF World Championship reign. In addition to Savage's top competition in 1986 included Adrian Adonis, Hercules Hernandez and in his biggest feud of the year, Paul Orndorff. With Orndorff, a storyline which was developed focused on the friendship between the two, with Adonis eventually starting trouble between them, causing Orndorff, who was the face at the time, to turn heel against Hogan. Following his Battle Royale win, Andre the Giant's career was at a crossroads. Not yet evident to fans, Andre was beginning to suffer from health effects due to a terminal illness known as Acromegaly, the syndrome that was resulting from excessive production of growth hormones and resulted in his gigantic size. Because of his health, a planned tour of Japan and accepting a star role in the movie The Princess Bride, Andre would take a brief hiatus from the ring. To explain his absence, they devised a storyline to basically have him no-show for a tag match, pitting him and his partner of his choosing against long-time rivals Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy, and then have Andre suspended as at the insistence of manager Bobby the Brain Heeman. However, Andre would return but competed under a mask as part of a new team called The Machines. Studd and Bundy insisted but were never able to prove that it was in fact Andre and that the giant machine was the same person. WrestleMania 2 marked the last major pay-per-view appearance for Roddy Piper during his initial heel run. As we mentioned earlier on in the podcast, he only would be off for a few months before returning to begin a mega babyface return. As for Jesse Ventura, he left the WWE briefly following the show to try to reap more benefits in the wrestling world. He apparently tried to form some sort of wrestler's union, which, once Vince McMahon caught wind of, was quickly kicked into touch, so Ventura headed off to Hollywood instead, joining the Screen Actors Guild, which would give him better health benefits and retirement benefits. But at the request of NBC Network, Ventura would eventually come back to appear on Saturday night's main event and he gave up the idea of a union purely because he got his benefits from the Screen Actors Guild and said that it was up to wrestlers to fight for themselves. What a dick. As for the reception of WrestleMania 2, Rob McNew of 411 Mania gave the box match a 1 out of 5, stating, Big pull apart brawl afterwards. Absolute crap that took way too long and ended in a non-finish. On the WWF Tag Team Championship match, he said, Tremendous match that breaks the streak of suck that had been this show thus far. One of the things that I really liked about this match was it seemed to break from the traditional tag team formula. There was no extended face and prayer sequence, nor was there a hot tag at any point. Easily match of the night. He awarded it 3.5 stars. He gave the steel cage match between Hogan Monday, which was the main event, 2 stars, saying, It felt more like a Saturday night main event match than a WrestleMania main event. McNew scored the entire event 2 out of 10. He said, It lacks the historical significance of WrestleMania 1 to even watch it for that purpose. This was 3 hours of pain that I would love to have back. Thankfully, WWF would go on to redeem themselves the following year, but for this show in particular, it was quite a disappointment, as that's just one critic, but the general feeling of WrestleMania 2 was it was a bit of a letdown. In terms of Rob McNew's comments there that I just read out to you, I would probably agree with every single one of them. The boxing match ended up a mess, tag match was easily match of the night, and the cage match didn't feel like a WrestleMania event. 
So that was the aftermath and reception of WrestleMania 2. We move into our own personal summary here on the WrestleMania podcast. So first up, match of the night, easily hands down, it's got to be the tag match. Dream Team versus British Bulldogs was easily by far the best match on the card tonight. In terms of signs we saw in the crowd, the only one I noticed was Hulkamania. First Hulkamania sign we've seen in the crowd, so we've got to give it that. In terms of calls in the night, I've actually got a list of a few quotes here, and it's actually quite difficult. There was a few good quotes. I've got to go with, actually, Susan St. James, Bundy Mania. It doesn't even sound that good. And let's be honest, folks, it wouldn't have been. It didn't sound. Uh, like I said at the time, it gave me a laugh when I first heard that. As for botch of the night, we've got a few to pick. And I don't actually know if I'm going to give a specific botch of the night. In fact, what I'm going to do is I think WrestleMania 2 as a whole was a botch in terms of WrestleMania. Compared to WrestleMania 1, my personal feelings is it's crazy the difference between WrestleMania 1 and 2 as 1 felt like a wrestling super show and 2 felt like a mess from the start. Therefore, my botch of the night is the entire event. In terms of breakout stars, we give special mention to the British Bulldogs debuting tonight. The British Bulldogs were absolutely phenomenal. Great in-ring workers. Davey Boy Smith, as we all know, became a bit of a legend. Dynamite Kid was fantastic. I was really impressed with him. So overall, our breakout stars are the British Bulldogs. Next up, we will look at the appearance tracker. So we had a lot of people debut on our appearance tracker, including WrestleMania 1. Sorry, 76 people have appeared between WrestleManias 1 and 2. Notable debuts tonight, obviously, is like the likes of the Macho Man, British Bulldogs, Terry Funk appearing, and the, the Heart Foundation, of course. Well, obviously, because of the Battle Royale, we have a lot of people here that only make one appearance at WrestleMania. So, in terms of the tracker, like, it's only our second WrestleMania. It's not until we get kind of further along the line where it becomes, like, more interesting. Like, oh, this will be the last appearance of such and such until this WrestleMania. In terms of that, there's not really anybody actually on the tracker that, well, they appear to your WrestleMania 2, but we won't see them again until next year. But like I said, there's quite a few actually on the list that don't, thankfully we won't see the likes of Uncle Elmer again. And like I said, we won't see any of the NFL guys again. And just before we move on to the 10 count, let's have a look at our interesting statistic of the night. Now, as I said in the last podcast when I introduced what we were going to do, one of the things we want to analyse here is the time in ring against the actual length of the pay-per-view. So the amount of wrestling against the actual show time. So the full show time tonight was 3 hours and 1 minute. And in ring time from bell to bell, the wrestling aspect of it, time in ring, total 1 hour 24, giving a difference of 1 hour 37 minutes. So just under half of this show was actual wrestling matches. To be honest, well, even the Chicago aspect of it kind of felt a lot shorter than it actually was. I, like, so I'm quite surprised there is as much as an hour and 24 minutes, to be honest with you. But hey-ho, we're looking at about 50% is roughly the kind of figure they're looking to aim towards in terms of actual in-ring matches. 
And now lastly, in terms of our own summary of WrestleMania, just before we move on to our first ever mailbag section, before wrapping up, the 10 count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. Ring the bell, that's it. Okay, so anyone who didn't listen to the last episode of the podcast, this is where we give our overall rating of WrestleMania. So obviously one's the lowest, ten's the highest. I'm going to go on the back of, like, similar to what Robin you said in the comments I read from the reception part, I'm going to give WrestleMania 2 the free count. Now that's quite low, but it's actually even worse than that. I'm going to give it a one count for each arena, pretty much. And that's on average. You know, the free count's probably just for the tag match itself. Overall, I did not enjoy WrestleMania 2 at all. I was so glad it's over, and to be honest, part of me subconsciously thinks that I was delaying the recording this episode because I really didn't want to talk about it. But I've talked about it now. I've probably talked about this show more than I did the last one, which I absolutely, like, beat myself up about because I wanted to get through this as quickly as. And apologies if at any point during this podcast I have spoken very quickly, but I wanted to do my best to get through this. I didn't enjoy this. I'm glad it's over. I'm already looking forward to next year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 3, and I can't wait to talk about that, folks. So that's our summary, and let's, for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, open up Postman Pat Patterson's Intercontinental Mailbag. Postman Pat, Postman Pat, Postman Pat and his black and white cat. Early in the morning, just as day, section what i want to do is reach out to the internet wrestling community engage comments thoughts and feelings on each wrestlemania so this is specifically to do with wrestlemania 2 i reached out we do have a facebook page folks but we don't really use it to be honest i'm I'm more of a twitter kind of guy so we got a comment off of facebook from greg watt who says and this is commenting on wrestlemania in general the best things about wrestlemania are usually the entrances but the big appeal is seeing feuds usually come to that climax Months of building up and then the big night when anything can and will happen. And then we get this year. And that's Greg referring to WrestleMania 33, which is his thoughts, folks. But the thrill is the WrestleMania moments. I love you. I'm sorry. Do you believe in miracles? Brian won the belt. Hogan versus Warrior. It's quite spot in the money there, folks. I'm sure it's a comment we could probably all agree on. That is WrestleMania in a T. Moving on. This is now moving on to comments specifically to Wrestlemania 2 so courtesy of wweforums.net Jacob Fox writes to us you know I think I mostly enjoyed Wrestlemania 2 because this was around the time that I started watching wrestling I recall seeing something on television when King Kong Bundy attacked Hulk Hogan and I was pretty curious to know what happened next but honestly if I wasn't 10 years old at the time I wouldn't have enjoyed it but if you're still looking 
for answers and this is the answers to the question just to help gauge comments I'm only happy to assist. Overall, it was a pretty lousy show, but again, it was one of my first exposures to wrestling, so it seemed really neat to me. Mult the multiple city thing didn't work. I recall being really confused about it as a kid, and I did feel that it was celebrity overload. There was too much going on at once, and not of enough of it was wrestling. Even as a new and a very young wrestling fan, I had zero interest in the celebrities. Well, I did I like Avira, but anyone with sense likes Elvira. The card was really weak, even in retrospect, knowing as much as I did about the wrestlers, it was weak, including all those NFL guys in the Battle Royal was pretty crappy, and the cage match between Bundy and Hogan was awful. If it wasn't for Bobby Heenan, the whole thing would have been a waste. The thing I liked about it most though was Bobby Heenan. That man worked even hard, even when given crap to work with, he tried even harder than anyone to sell that main event cage match. The thing I liked least was Roddy Piper losing to Mr T, especially because Roddy Piper was a Golden Gloves boxing champion and Mr T had no real boxing experience, so having Piper make a mistake and body slam him was stupid. I'd give it a 2 for Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant and Elvira. Didn't care about anything else. A lot of comments there from Jacob. Thank you very much for that, Jacob. There's some great comments there. And it's, once again, folks, it just shows you the kind of low rating out of 10 for WrestleMania 2 is pretty much almost in par here. Moving on, the WrestlingForum.com. Vic Capri says, Terrible people view. Bulldogs vs Dream Team is the only good thing about it. Stephen 90 says, I know people liked it back in the 80s, but it's aged terribly as time goes on. MVW tells us, I think Vince was trying to top himself by having an event in free venues and undelivered in the match quality. Magic Man breaks up as some good, some bad. The good, he says, Bulldogs vs Dream Team was good. Funks vs Junkyard Dog Santana was also good. Battle Royale was at least interesting because the NFL players like Fridge and Brill Freelick Steamboat vs Hercules was okay. The bad was really bad though. Roddy Piper Mr T box match is one of the worst ma mania matches ever. Also, Volkov vs Kitchener and Uncle Elmer Adonis and the Moolah Velvet McIntyre match were all bad. Savage Steel was not that great and the main event was very so-so. Having it in three different locations was not the best idea. I gave it 6 out of 10. Larry.Tubman tells us King Kong Buddy Fucking headlined for the World Championship in the main event. Nuff said. Quite right there. Quite right, Lariat. And lastly, her not them. The one WrestleMania I have the hardest time watching, even more than four, it's that bad. Oh, Christ. Hopefully four isn't going to be that bad then. But again, folks, it just goes to show you that the internet wrestling community agree. WrestleMania 2 was absolute shit. And like I said, I did not expect us to go from a good, decent show in WrestleMania 1 to an awful one here in Wrestlemania 2 so that about does it folks that's episode 2 of the Wrestlemania podcast wrapping up now thank you very much for listening folks thanks for sticking with us I realise this is even longer than the last episode most likely but thank you very much for sticking through the end and thanks again for anyone who's returned to listen to us I hope you stick with us on our journey to immortality now, if you want to get involved in the podcast, please tweet, email, whatever you want to us. You can find us on Twitter at WrestleManiaPods and use the hashtag WrestleMania3 to leave your comments and feedback on WrestleMania3, our next episode. You can also, if you want to go for more than 140 characters, email us at WrestleManiaPodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all comments, feedback, and contributions to the podcast because at the end of the day folks 
it may be me speaking here, but this is about you too. This is about getting you guys involved and taking us collectively on our journey and becoming all immortals. Because let's be honest, WrestleMania is the showcase of the immortals. And for us to get through some of these ones, we pretty much have to be mortal because we probably want to top ourselves, slit our wrists, kill ourselves, blah, 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 blah. So that does it, folks. Thanks once again for listening. I've been Sean Sawdart. I hope you all can understand my accent out there. I hope I'm speaking better. I tried to swear less in this podcast. I said a lot less uh and ums. I probably could have felt 10 minutes worth on a YouTube video of me saying uh and um out of what I edited out of episode 1. But just remember, folks, I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm just a guy, to quote Roman Reigns. Thank you very much for listening, folks, and see you again for our next episode, WrestleMania 3.